Uh, tonight, I can relate part four. So my son is finishing up high school, and he's a senior. And so right about now, if you've had a kid who's graduated high school, you know there's this this season of transition where high school's almost over, it's almost time for college, and so he's in that uh, apply for college uh, type, of, uh, type of season. And, and I find him, him saying something again and again. He said, he's saying again and again, I wish I would have paid more attention to my GPA. You know, I mean, he, he's done well. He's done a lot of extracurricular activities. But as he's started looking into applying for colleges, he's realizing that the top schools that maybe he kind of wishes it would be nice to go to require you to have a 4.0 or something, you know, really amazing. And the minimum required is a 3.9. And he's done well, but maybe not quite all the way that well. Anyway, uh, I was thinking about this. When you have a 3.9 GPA... You graduate high school with highest honors, and at your graduation ceremony, they seat you in a special place, and they ask all the people that are, uh, you know, graduating with highest honors to stand up together, and it's something special uh, to be able to finish your whole entire high school career uh, being given highest honors. Everyone say highest honors. Highest honors, and that's the title of my message tonight, and my conviction is that high school graduation and and college applications aside, every one of us is called to live a highest honors kind of a life, and to live a, a highest honors kind of a life, what you and I need to learn to do is to honor Jesus, to honor Jesus by offering him our lives, by offering him our faith-filled, love-lifted lives. And I want you to write that simple statement down, and I want you to think about it with me. In this message, what I want to share with you is a conviction from Scripture to honor Jesus by offering him your life, your faith-filled, love-lifted life, and to do it together. That's what this message is about in a nutshell. I'll say it one more time. Honor Jesus by offering him your faith-filled Love-lifted life together. And if you're looking at your bulletin and you're going, wait a minute, the word together is not there. I know. I didn't think of it till today. <laughs> but it, meant, it needed to be there. I just felt strongly about it. Uh, it. It needs to be there, and that's what this message is about. So I want to encourage you today that, that we're, we are called by God to, to live a life of highest honors. But it's not about doing everything perfectly. It's not about getting an A every time, like it would have been for the high school student. It's not about doing everything perfectly. It's about living your life with your eyes on the one who did do everything perfectly. It's about living your life following after the one who did do everything perfectly and allowing his perfection to to crown your life. It's about following the footsteps, ultimately, of Jesus but it starts with honoring him with your faith-filled, love-lifted life. And I want to ask you to uh, open up the Bible to 2 Thessalonians. It's one of those short books towards the end of the New Testament, 2 Thessalonians. Everyone say Thessalonians. It's just one of those, ah, how do you say that again, books of the Bible? 2 Thessalonians. And uh, as you turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, this is a part of the Bible written by the Apostle Paul and several of the people that were with him doing ministry. And it's written to a group of believers in a specific place, Thessalonica, on the coast of Greece. But it's also 
for every church, and it's for every group of believers, even though it's directed, in this case, to this specific church there in Thessalonica, it's also to any one of us who are believers in Jesus, and it's a word from God's heart uh, to all of us. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, here's how it begins. It says, this letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And just out of the gate, I just want you to notice this before we move on, that it, it pleased God to not only work through Paul, it pleased God to draw together, in this case, three individuals that would all say, you know what, to be able to team up with him, I'm going to have to lay down my ego a little bit, because I'd like it to kind of be all about me, but I'm going to let it be all about Jesus. And part of how that's going to happen is I'm going to team up with a few other people, and we're going to lay our egos down together and serve God as a, as a mightier team than any one of us could have been by ourselves. I'm grateful for every person in this church that chooses to have that type of a mentality, to say, just as God saw fit to work through uh, Timothy and Paul and Silas as a beautiful team together, that, that we're meant to be that, that kind of group of people too, that God can work through multiples of us locking arms and deciding, hey, maybe God could do something through us working together that might even be greater than what I could do by myself. Yeah, that's, that's right. A few of us, yes. <laughs> this letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and we are writing to the church in Thessalonica, to you who belong to God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. And I love when the scriptures sometimes just, just identify some of those foundation things. I, I love getting to those parts of the scripture where it's some out there revelation about you know, the wheels of Ezekiel or something. But I also like these kinds of passages of scripture where it just cuts right down to the foundations. And, and that's what we just read in verse 3, are these just foundational elements of, of really what this whole thing is all about, called church, called following Jesus, called being the body of Christ. And so uh, let me ask you to read verse 3 out loud all together. Ready? Verse 3, go. Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. Your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. Say it, your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. Isn't there something so simple and beautiful about those two elements? That when you really break it down, that there's something so essentially good about those two things. Your faith is growing and your faith is flourishing and your love is growing, but the context matters, and, and it's these first few words, dear, brothers and sisters. Dear, dear brothers and sisters, and it's just a couple of words, but it is a profound revelation. Uh, we tend to think about our lives, and especially our spirituality, as something highly individualistic. It's my own private journey. And we even have uh, special phrases that we talk about. We say, you know, in public, you shouldn't talk about politics or religion, right? We have this idea that at our faith, our spirituality is something individualistic. But from God's perspective, it was never that way. 
From God's perspective, all God can see is you and you connected together as family. All God can see is, is a whole bunch of brothers and sisters. There's no other idea from his heart. From God's heart, you are, in fact, family. We talk about our Christian faith in these words. We talk about it in terms of being born again. And birth happens in the context of a family. And when you are born again, you come to understand that you need the mercy of Jesus. You need his forgiveness. You can't fix yourself. So you simply believe in him, and then you are born again. And that birth happens in the context of a family. And as you are born again, you become part of the family of God. You become brother or sister. Your father in heaven has put you together in his family to be just this, brothers and sisters. He sees you that way. He sees us that way. But what we need to learn to do is to see ourselves that way. We need to learn to look around in a gathering like this, especially if we've been here for more than a few weeks, and to be able to say, you know what? These are God's people, and they're my people. These are God's people, and they're my people. These are my brothers and sisters. Like, that's the word from the scriptures. And may we never lose sight of it. I mean, too often we give ourselves a hall pass by saying things like, yeah, I'm going to stop going to that church. And, and with that kind of a language, we just sort of write off and dismiss a whole bunch of brothers and sisters. And it's important that we catch the heart of God to see ourselves rightly as families connected the way brothers and sisters are connected. And when you have brothers and sisters, you have something good. When you have brothers and sisters in your family, your church family, you've got other people who are growing in a passion to live a God-first life. When you've got brothers and sisters, you've got people around you that are like-minded in having values for moving towards living a life that's right. When you've got brothers and sisters, you've got people that you can go to when things get rough, and you can lean on them, and they are learning how to lift burdens off of your life. When you've got brothers and sisters, you are also learning to believe God for great things for other people. When you are uh, one who has brothers and sisters, you've got people who can speak those encouraging words from God's heart right into your life. When you've got brothers and sisters, you've got people who share a desire to figure out how to shine the bright light of Jesus into this world so that things get better. When you've got brothers and sisters, you've got people who can pray for you, that you can pray for. You've got people that you can have fun with, and it's the right kind of fun, the kind that doesn't have to leave a stain on the other side. When you've got brothers and sisters, you've got people who are ready to, to begin to engage in serving God, to build up the church, to become the mission station that he's always wanted for it to be. You've got brothers and sisters right here in this word, in this place, in this body, and I think maybe right now you ought to say amen for the brothers and sisters that you have. I remember a time in my life when I was, I was, I was newly born again. I, I had recommitted my life to Jesus in my college years, and I would really say that there was a, that was my experience of truly being born again, but I didn't like those Christians. They embarrassed me. And I remember the person who was discipling me. Her name is Tanya Perez Oro. And I told this to her. I said, yeah, yeah, I, I really do. I love Jesus. But his people, they just embarrass me. They say weird things. 
they use weird language <laughs> that it sounds funny to me, and they seem to, they, they seem to be against everything. And so I don't, I, I mean, I, I like you because you're, you know, you're discipling me, but I don't know about all those other people. And she said, listen, you know, you need to understand something. All of those people that you keep referring to, they're your brothers and sisters. And they're God's people and they're your people. And you need to choose to believe that because God is good and God is in them, they're good. It's convicting. It, it marked me. It kind of changed me. It shifted my mindset. It caused me to, to embrace this, to embrace the goodness of what it means to gather together with God's people and recognize who we really are as a family, as those who are brothers and sisters. So... Again, verse 3, I want you to just read this out loud one more time with me. Ready? Go. Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. You know, I, I read this verse of scripture and I think God is revealing something so simple. And he's revealing that these are two things that he really likes to see. That God really likes to see when his people have a faith that's flourishing and a love that's growing. And we might want to get things complicated, and we might want to make, it, uh, make the, 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 the rungs of the ladder higher and higher and harder and harder to get to for people. But what I see God revealing here is that his heart is this, is that what he likes to see is when his sons and daughters, who are brothers and sisters, have a faith that's flourishing and a love that's growing. Don't you think it would be good to see a little bit more of that uh, in our church and in this community and in the world that we live in? A little bit more faith flourishing and love growing. I think so, and apparently God thinks so, because it was his word. I, I didn't come up with it. It's the Father speaking through his word, two things that he loves to see. When your faith is flourishing, good things happen in your life. When your faith is flourishing, you have a love for God that is rising up in you, causing your passions and ambitions and desires to be pointed in the right direction. When you have a faith that's flourishing, you are receiving more of the unfailing love of God, and it's lifting you out of one pit after another and allowing you to get unstuck in your life. When you have a faith that's flourishing, you're receiving more and more of his grace. And his grace is not only covering over everything wrong that you've ever gotten yourself into, but his grace is also empowering you to live different. When, when you have a faith that's flourishing, you're receiving more and more of his mercy, covering over your sin, washing away shame, setting you free on the inside. When you have a faith that's flourishing, you're experiencing the Holy Spirit in a richer and deeper way, and the result is that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is growing in your life more and more. There's more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Don't you want more of those things? She wants more of those things from you. Come on, somebody. This is the, the life of faith. When your faith is flourishing, fear loses ground, and strength comes rushing in, and hope is on the rise. This is why it matters to have a faith-filled life faith-filled life. It's what you're made for. So you honor Jesus by offering him your faith-filled life and your, your love, your love that's growing. 
And, and so I want to talk about that, that love that's growing, because that's the second part of the equation. Your love that's growing. It says, your faith is flourishing, and your love for one another is growing. The love for one another that God envisions that we should have is something that is meant to be, on one hand, something we give, and on the other hand, something we can receive. But it requires engagement. It requires a perspective of this and of the people that are part of this. It takes us somewhere new, maybe somewhere we haven't been before. It is a choice to out of love rising up in you from God because you've got a faith that's on the rise, to choose to engage with the people to your left and to your right, and to begin to regard her and him truly as brothers and sisters, and to engage requires a little bit of effort. It is easier, by far, to come into a place like this and just attend and then go. But I think love calls for, I mean, if love for one another is growing, we're going to have to go beyond that, aren't we? We're going to have to be the kind of people, if love is growing, if we're going to be offering to Jesus a a, a love and and a life marked by love that's lifted us, we're going to need to engage with each other in a deeper way. We're going to need to be the kind of people who, who instead of just running for the car when the service is over, we're going to need to be the kind of people who hang around and look for whoever else seems like they're kind of maybe a little awkwardly standing there like, what am I supposed to do now? I don't know anybody here. And instead of ignoring them and just turning our backs and having a nice conversation with the people we like in this piece, to look and to figure, oh man, those are some people that I could... I could walk up to and say, hey, I'm glad you're here. And uh, so tell me your story. I mean, it can really begin as simple as that. Let's not complicate it too far. I, I, I want to challenge you, church, if you are that church, to, to let your love grow for one another. I mean, don't you sense the Holy Spirit inspiring these words because it's a reflection of what God likes to see? And don't you want to be one who lives out the kind of things that God likes to see? I do. And so let's do it. Let's, let's look for the opportunities to love one another. If we are, if we are going to have a, a love-lifted life, we're going to need to be the kind of people who don't wait for Centerpoint Church to put on a program that makes us figure out how to love each other. I mean, we'll do those kind of things sometimes, but really it's just for each one of us to figure out and who, who seems like they could... They could use a friend. I'll be that. And to be the kind of people who say, hey, uh, let's get our families together for, for dinner sometime. Actually, we're going to do pizza night at my house. And don't worry. We'll, I got you. I got you. We're going to do the cauliflower crust because I'm going to be there for your GFness. <laughs> you know what? We, we serve one another. We bless one another. It, it's about, I mean, it's the little things. It's about being the kind of people that would bust out our phone on a Thursday and say, tap, tap, tap. Hey, man, just checking in. How you doing? I mean, it's about being the kind of people who say, hey, let's get our kids together, and, and we'll, we'll, you're going to go to a hike, go to the beach, whatever, go, go wakeboarding, whatever, you know? It's about choosing to engage with each other as the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters, not ignoring each other, not settling for, I go there and I attend there, but instead, leaning in to choose the relationships that please the heart of God. He's made it clear. 
He has made it clear that he loves to see it. It's what we're made for. You know, I, I want us to grow in, in having a love for one another that's growing. A couple uh, weeks ago, three weeks ago, we had our men's retreat up at Thousand Pines Camp at, near Lake Arrowhead. And it, yep, a couple guys are clapping because it was amazing. It was really good. And so anyway, we got up there and... Uh, I had checked the website beforehand to figure out the weather up there because I had never been up there. And I looked really quickly at their website and it had a picture of the weather forecast and it said like every single day was going to be 85 and the high of 85 and a low of 75. I was like, sweet, that's amazing. So I had my t-shirt and shorts, got in a friend's truck, went up the hill, got there. And as soon as I got out of the truck, I was like, oh, whoa, what is this? It was 45 degree mountain air. That was not a weather forecast. That was a picture of what a weather forecast could look like if you would click on that thing and it would take you to an actual site. I, I, yeah, I believed a lie. Anyway, I got there and I'm, I'm freezing and I, I'm dressed for 80 degrees. And, and they gave me this uh, private little cabin because I was the speaker, right? And, and, I, and so I, I, at the end of the night, I go into my little cabin. I am freezing, and my cabin is it's literally 38 degrees inside of there. And I got t-shirt, right, and, and shorts, and, and I'm in the cabin by myself, and, and I, I'm, I, I put on like five extra t-shirts. I, I got every towel out of the bathroom, and I'm like layering them into the thin little blanket in that cabin, and I'm shivering all night long. It was terrible. I couldn't, so there was a thermostat, but I couldn't get it working, and so I was just shivering cold all night. Finally, like 4.30 in the morning, couldn't even stand it anymore. You know, one of those where you're looking at the clock all night, just when is it reasonable enough for me to just get out and be done with this misery? But I, I went over to that little thermostat, broken thermostat, I bent it this way, popped it up that way, pried it this way, and there I found it, the little nub of a broken switch. And I plied it and pried it and popped it, and boom, that little cabin furnace came roaring to life. <laughs> and I went and crouched over the one little heating vent on the floor with a <laughs> towel over me for like an hour, <laughs> letting all the heat just, oh man, it's so ridiculous, so ridiculous. There I was like suffering and shivering in the cold when all the while there was a heater. I just couldn't be bothered to figure out how to engage it. But here's the thing. If you and I do church where, where we do not engage, we're not investing in any kinds of relationships, we're in the cold relationally, and it doesn't need to be that way. And you know what I mentioned? That cabin had a broken thermostat, and the switch was broken off of it, and I, ha I had to actually get up in there and make it work. I wish that I could tell you that at Centerpoint Church... Everything was all Nest thermostat all the time. Like, just works so perfectly, AI and everything. It's not. I mean, the truth is, sometimes I feel like our connections, things at Centerpoint, are a little bit like a broken thermostat, if I'm very honest with you. But that's not an excuse. It isn't. I wish we could fix it and make it better and better, and we, we, we will, we are. But in the meanwhile, you might need to get in there and kind of pry it open and Find the broken switch and figure out how to push it across. But do it. Do it. I want us to grow at serving you better, at creating the perfect Nest thermostat opportunities. But meanwhile, I invite you to just go ahead and break that thing open and push the broken switch for all your might to get the connection that you need. Your soul needs it. The stakes are too high. Your family depends on it. Your spiritual well-being depends on it. And it pleases God when you do it. When you find the way to, to love and bring that 
love lifted life to another who also, also needs it. So I, I, the reason I'm, I'm mentioning this is there was a, a family who, uh, I heard about this. They, they said uh, to another family that was thinking about leaving Centerpoint because they were not able to get connected. They said, well, it's a good church. Centerpoint is a really good church, and it might take you two years to get connected here, but you should stay because it's a really good church, and once you do get connected, it's going to be really good, and I heard about that, and it breaks my heart to hear about that. It tells me, man, we, we have some things that need some attention. We need to do better than that, but meanwhile, meanwhile, you still need to be able to get what your soul needs. And I do think that it can actually be as simple as hanging around after a service like this and taking the initiative to walk up to some other people and say, hey, I'm not as connected as I'd like to be in this church. And just start. It's a pretty human thing. We can do that here. And there's freedom to do that here. And my ask tonight of you would be that if somebody ever walks up to you with that kind of a disposition, hey, I'm not as connected as I like to be around here. I hope to God that you would turn towards them, full engagement. Well, let's get together. When can you come over? Oh, let's do a barbecue. It's still apparently going to be summer in Murrieta for the <laughs> next couple months. So yeah, just go for it. Bring, bring the love. Now, I want to jump down to verse 11, and, and this is what I read here. It says, so, this is for, uh, 2 Thessalonians 1.11. So, we keep on praying for you and asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. And then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. And you will be honored along with him. And this is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want to just go back to verse 11. I said, so we, we keep on praying for you and asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. You know, I was thinking about that men's retreat, right? And, and I loved the men's retreat for a number of reasons. One of the things I loved about it was because on the Saturday night, we had this moment where God broke out. Like, just, it just happened. Like, you can't force it, but it literally was one of those, God is on the move in a powerful way. And here's what it looked like. It was 20 minutes of 50 of us dudes just going for it, just literally shouting our praise to God the way a bunch of men should do if they know that there's a God who's worthy of shouting praise to. And so that was glorious. It just was glorious to me. I mean, I know some of you like that more tidy, buttoned up kind of an experience. That's not me. <laughs> I like to see the Spirit of God bust out because we need to get busted out of some of the stuff we're trapped in. And I think it's sometimes those strong moments that can happen up on a mountaintop, right? And, and so 20 minutes of just a whole bunch of us just shouting the praise of God with, with just a, a fervor, right? But then what came next was beautiful. What came next was for, for a, a, another hour or two, men in groups of two or three, just sitting with each other, listening to each other, caring for each other, speaking prophetic truth over each other, praying powerfully over each other, praying 
powerfully over each other's heart, soul, body, mind, marriage, life, parenting, all of the above. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was this kind of thing. It was what we just read about. So we keep on praying for you, asking God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. And at that men's retreat, a bunch of us as men just kind of got real about the fact that it's hard to do that sometimes. And that if we settle for playing church facade, we're probably not going to get where we really need to go. And, and in order to really get where we want to go, we're going to have to do this. Like pray for each other, for real, that we'd be able to live a life worthy of the call. This is what we're made for, to live a life worthy of the call. What I found is that autopilot doesn't work. When you try to put your spiritual life on autopilot, it just doesn't work. And in fact, it tends to be that there's more drift away from God and his goodness when we're on spiritual autopilot. It takes praying for each other and, and a personal awareness that there is something about living a life worthy of his call. I was, uh, a few months ago, I was in Los Angeles with Benny Yu, a missionary that we support, and his wife, and my wife, and we had to make it back here for Saturday night church. And so we were on the freeway, we were and, we, and then the 91 happened to us. Do you know what I'm talking about? Of course you know what I'm talking about. I mean, we're coming from Los Angeles, and all of a sudden, way back there, it's like two mile an hour stop, you know? And I, I'm like, oh, we've got to get to church. We've got service. He's the guest speaker. I'm the pastor. Like, we got to get back. You know, so uh, I get over to the left lane hoping something might open up. Nothing opened up except all those little plastic bollards that separate you from the fast track lane. And I realized I missed the access to the fast track lane. But you know what else I noticed? I noticed that a bunch of those little plastic bollards yes. were broken. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know what? I know what I can do, because if there's three of them in a row that are broken, that's my access, right? And so I'm, I'm planning it out. I'm like, okay, I'm going to just wait for the right brake in the cars, and as soon as the brake in the cars go, I'm going to just jut into there, hit the gas, and we're off, because it was open, right? And, 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 uh, and, and I said to my, my wife and Benny and his wife, hey, guys, I'm going to get us home on time, because I'm going to... Next time one of those little openings happens, I'm going to just jump in there, and we're going to get there fast. And, and all of them, with one voice, said, no! <laughs> Apparently, they didn't like the idea of the pastor breaking the law on the way to church. <laughs> but what, it, what I'm saying is that I needed my brothers and sisters to be speaking into my life, saying, no! I needed that. And in fact, I think all of us need that sometimes. We need the people that are going to look after us and look out for us and look into us sometimes and say, hey, what's going on there? You don't know how much it matters until after the fact, until after everything all of a sudden blows up because you did decide to jump into that fast track lane. You know what's funny, though, is that right after that opening that I was going to take that they said no about, I was like, oh, so frustrated. Guess who the very next car was that came up that fast? Your friendly neighborhood CHP. <laughs> I've never been so glad for the people of God speaking into my life. <laughs> oh, man, that was a moment. Yeah, that was a moment. But look, it says in 2 Thessalonians 1.11, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. I, I want that for each one of us. I mean, living a life worthy of the call, yes, it's, it's about learning to say no to some things, but it's also about learning to say yes to some things. It's about actually being able to accomplish all the good things that your faith prompts you to do. 
Say all the good things. Take note of this fact. It doesn't say all of the church things. I mean, I like church things, but it doesn't say that. It says all of the good things. Hey, is your faith prompting you to start a new business or go after that client so you can provide better for your family? Good things. May he give you the power to accomplish it. Is your faith prompting you to get certified as a foster parent so that you can help at-risk youth and kids that need love? Good things. May he give you the power to accomplish it. Is your faith prompting you to finish your degree or to get that certification so that you can advance in your career? Good things. May he give you the power to accomplish it. Is your faith prompting you in any way to go after something noble, pure, righteous, or admirable in whatever way? Good things. Come on, say good things. Good things. And may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things that your faith prompts you to do. Uh, On the church level, we do have good things that our faith has prompted us to go after. Like, for example, uh, a year ago, our faith was prompting us to start a school of ministry and and then along came Stuart Macklin, and then along came you know, Liz Lang and Emily Lucier, and along came a, a bunch of 37 students. And, and now there's good things. There's a school of ministry that's happening because God has been on the move to see the good things accomplished by his power. We're in the middle of the good things uh, uh, that we've talked about in terms of expanding this, this facility. And, and in a year from now, we'll have a testimony of, hey, that was something our faith prompted us to do. God's brought it about. Yeah. It's the way we're meant to live. But it happens in this context. It's not individualistic. It's brothers and sisters coming together to be connected as family, to give the love, support, encouragement, prayer, accountability, strength, so that God can work through it all to help each one of us accomplish the good things that his, his spirit is prompting in, in, in our faith to go after. Uh, one of the good things that we've done recently, uh, our faith prompted us as a leadership team, now I'm speaking as us in terms of our team of leaders, that we needed to change our structure a little bit here. Uh, what I found was that me and Pastor Kim a couple of guys were trying to basically do it all, and it wasn't working very well. And our faith was prompting us to increase and broaden and further develop our leadership team. And so I've shared this with, um, with some of you in, in certain gatherings, but I just want to make sure everyone in our church has a chance to hear about this structure that we've recently put in place. And so here's what it looks like, I, I, just a kind of a picture of it. We, what we've determined is that instead of two guys trying to make everything happen, that there ought to be a broader team. And we now have what we're calling our senior leadership team. And just so that you're familiar with these names that you probably have known anyway, but uh, Pastor Christina Andres is now our next steps director, where she was over CP Kids before, but she was so amazing in that, that we felt like there's no one better to take on this whole area of next steps for people to get connected at Centerpoint. And then uh, James has been an amazing youth pastor, but because of that, he has the heart to see an entire next generation from kids all the way to young adults all rise up. And, and so he is now our next gen pastor, as you've heard him say, and part of our teaching team for this, uh, this service weekend service. And then uh, my wife, Ann Hansen, pastor of Freedom Ministries and Freedom Prayer and Prophetic and all that good stuff. And, uh, and Chris Manoia is our director of finance and operations. And then uh, Heather Sanford as our weekend services director. So this is, 
a team of seven people, which is a pretty nice number, seven, that together are the brothers and sisters here that are saying, okay, together we'll take responsibility for leadership of this, of this movement that God is doing here. And so I just wanted to make sure that you were in the loop on that, that you'd know about it. And the ultimate result of this will be honor for the name of Jesus. I mean, that's what comes next in the scripture, right? It says it in verse 12. It says, and actually, let's read this, uh, verse 12 all together. Ready, go. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. Highest honors. Highest honors. Do you remember the beginning of this message? I said that it is my conviction that it is possible for every one of us to live a highest honors life. This is how. As you honor Jesus by offering him your faith-filled, love-lifted life together, it will result in him being honored, but you also, along with him. That was one of those verses that I had to reread a couple of times to make sure I was reading it right. It's like, wait a minute, is that legal? I thought it was only supposed to be all about you. But apparently, he loves you so much that he also wanted it to be about you being lifted up in due time, but in an awesome, God-honoring, holy kind of way. Honor. Honor. You know, honor is a powerful thing, isn't it? I have a brother-in-law who's a Navy SEAL, and a few years ago, he received the Medal of Honor, uh, and he's only one of only five living uh, Navy SEALs to have received the Medal of Honor. Ann and I went to the White House and got to see him receive that Medal of Honor from the president, and it was amazing. This past uh, September, he retired, and because he's one of only five Navy SEALs who's alive, who's got the Medal of Honor, it was a very big deal. And so Ann and I went back to D.C. for this, uh, this retirement ceremony because it was a, an official Pentagon event held at the Navy Yard, and it was, it was amazing. I have a few pictures. I mean, actually, I have hundreds of pictures and videos, but I won't do that to you. But it, it was amazing. In the Navy Yard beneath the old glory up there, there was a 100-member Navy Honor Guard just for him to say, you, Ed Bowers, Master Chief, Naval Special Warfare Operator, you are amazing. I mean, that was what this whole day was about. A hundred members of the Honor Guard playing their drums, waving their flags for him. And then, and then he received, the Admiral of the Navy presented him his retirement orders, and bagpipes were playing. And then, and then my brother-in-law, Ed, then he made his speech and stood there, and he, there's congressmen and senators and presidential cabinet members and all the high-ranking members of the military were there. He's a big deal. And as moving as all of that was, you know what was most moving to me? Was this next moment was when they called up his wife and his daughter. And then they showered his wife and his daughter with gifts and words of admiration and respect and honor. Even though it was all about him, they received honor because they had stood with him. 
And, and it's kind of like that. When this scripture says, yes, and, and living this way, it will be about Jesus being honored. But then it said, and you along with him. <laughs> and don't you want that in the end? I mean, it's okay to admit it. It feels like maybe it would feel selfish somehow to admit that we would want also to be honored with him. But if it's in his word, it's something to lay hold of as a good desire, a good motivation. And it's something that is ultimately made possible by his grace. Read this out with me, verse 12, the second part of it. Ready? Read it. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord, Jesus Christ. It's, it's all because of Jesus. It's his grace that makes it possible for us to live a life worthy of the call. It's his grace that makes it possible for us to believe God, trust God for every good thing and for his power to come for us to accomplish it. It's all by the power and grace of Jesus that we can stand right in God's eyes. It's all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. I want to pray for us all that right now our spirit within us would be more in touch with his grace. And for some of us that maybe we'd receive the grace of Jesus for the first time. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the revelation. It's so simple. In just a couple of words that we are brothers and sisters. I ask God for help that we'd be able to see each other that way. God, I thank you for the simple revelation that what you love is to see us as sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, to see us with a faith that's flourishing and a love for each other that's growing. I'm asking God, would you warm our hearts back up? If our hearts have started to grow cold towards each other as brothers and sisters, God, would you forgive us and heal us? If we've started to not care about brothers and sisters in the body that we're meant to love, God, would you forgive us and help us to step back in to an engagement of being love to one another in Christ? And God, if our own faith has started to dip a little, or we just don't care much anymore, God, I pray for a holy fire from heaven to come, and that you'd resurrect our faith even now, even right now, so that we would really and truly live in a way that honors you, Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that we can do this, that we can honor you, Jesus, by offering our lives to you, our faith-filled, love-lifted lives, and that we can do this together, and that the end result will be honor for you, Jesus. If you're here tonight and you've never started following Jesus and you know that you need his grace, you need his forgiveness, you need your sin to be washed away, you need to know that there's a way for you to be right with God. If you're here tonight and you say, I need Jesus, I need to ask him to forgive me and save me, I want you right now to just raise your hand. That's you acknowledging, I need Jesus to forgive me and save me. I just want you to raise your hand as a way of acknowledging, I need Jesus to forgive me and to save me. Right over here in the middle, thank you, that's so good. Anyone else? I don't want to miss you, okay? Right here in the back. Thank you. Good. A couple of you I've just connected with. Now I want you to pray. That's you talk to God for a moment, and you just say something like this. You just say, God, here I am. I mean, just start real simple. God, here I am. Would you forgive me and save me? That's how it all begins. Just join me and say that. God, here I am. Would you forgive me and save me? Just say it to him, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in you, Jesus, and I give you my life. Jesus, would you be my Lord and my Savior from this moment on? 
And Jesus, would you wash away my shame and guilt and sin? And Jesus, would you let me be born again right now? Just ask him for that gift. He's so glad and willing to give it when you turn to him. Just ask him, Jesus, would you forgive me and save me? Just say it to him, Jesus, would you forgive me and save me? Thank you, Lord, for this gift of new life. We honor you, we praise you, we love you. And all God's people together say, amen.